This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Grown and The Moth are excited to partner with Graduate Hotels to celebrate storytelling across generations. Visit any of Graduate's 30-plus hotels and you'll discover storytelling is at the heart of everything they do especially when it comes to their unique, locally-inspired interior designs. Not only has The Moth hosted a series of open-mic story slams at graduate hotels, but members of our staff have also had the privilege of visiting graduate hotels as guests. From Ann Arbor, Michigan to Oxford, England, our team has experienced firsthand the rich storytelling and memorable design touches that make a graduate stay so special. So the next time you're visiting a beloved college town or dropping by your alma mater, stay at graduate hotels and save up to 30% with exclusive code MOTH. Thanks again to Graduate Hotels for their generous support and their commitment to telling the unique stories of their local communities. Go book your stay now at graduatehotels.com and remember to use code MOTH for up to 30% off. Hey everyone, we've got something super special for you. Yeah, we're bringing you a live episode of Grown. We recorded it at On Air Fest, a podcast festival in Brooklyn, and we are so excited for you to hear it. We're going to start off with a fun little story from my days working at a juice bar. And like usual, we're going to add in some cool sound effects. Take a listen. My first job was for a juice company in Soho called Joe and the Juice. And actually, it was my second job. But my first job was Forever 21, and I'm just not going to count that. And uh, Jonah Juice was a Danish company, and they were really big on the atmosphere of a juice and coffee place being fun and promoting good, healthy living, healthy eating. Um, and I remember I was, I, I was like really into that. So I applied and I got the job. And for the first time, I'm making like work friends, you know what I'm saying? Like not neighborhood friends, not school friends, but work friends. And I'm making juices. Uh, well, there was a bunch of healthy juices. There was a lot of spinach-based juices. They used apples a lot. And uh, around this time, Joe and the Juice was expanding a lot. And they would throw these events, and there'd be like EDM music and lines outside the door. And so they were hiring tons of new people. And I was meeting people with great energy from all over the place. And I actually remember there was these group of fellas who were all hired together, and they were all from Queens. And they were close enough with each other that they actually traveled the world with each other. And I would see these posts of their trips on Instagram and I would think to myself like, wow, that's really cool. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys uh, I worked in a juice shop with, he came in one day and he told me that they were planning another trip to London and Paris. And I was like, wow, that's insane. And then he asked me if I would, you know, come along, pull up. Uh, and that was just like that. I was the first, the, my first time being invited to travel overseas. So you hadn't planned to like travel at all? Nah, I, it, I just wanted some clothes, really. <laughs> uh, 
it just never was on the forefront of my mind. I was still at home with my mom and my sisters. Only travel nationally. But my new friends, they promised adventure. And uh, we've been doing it ever since. Billy's one of my closest friends, and we take trips together. Where to next? Uh, I'm here in London. We're going to go back to London. It's in, I'm here. It's, it's in the works. We're going to do Labor Day in London or something like that. Okay. Well, I have some notes. We should check in yeah. afterwards. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to meet me there? Meet me over there? Yeah. <laughs> Grown. 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 I'm Aliza. And I'm Fonzo. And this is Grown. Grown is a podcast from The Moth that's all about the in-between in life. The time when you're not a teenager anymore, but like you really don't feel like an adult. What else should people know? Well, we do a lot of cool stuff on Grown. Uh, each week we pick a theme and then we explore that theme on the episode. And we'll have sonic memories at the beginning like I just did. We'll have interviews with storytellers, montages with teenagers, person-to-street audio, and discussions between you and I. But the heart of grown are the stories. Yeah, every episode features two stories from the moth. So those are true stories told live on stages. Um, and they cover themes. We've talked about everything from like crushes to our love for music, our relationship with our bodies. What's our theme today? This episode's theme is Great Expectations, and it's all about what happens when dreams and hopes meet reality. And our first storyteller is the lovely and talented Aliza Cosme. So when I was growing up, my dad would tell my younger brother and I the stories of his wild teenage years. Um, his parents worked a lot, so you didn't have a whole lot of parental supervision, which meant that he could like skip school as much as he wanted. He was a super senior, which he would always say like he came back and he was the oldest person and he like ruled the hallways. Um, and he would tell us about this one time that he left home for three days and came back expecting to be like in a ton of trouble, but his parents didn't even notice that he was gone. <laughs> Um, and in the 80s, my dad had like iconic shaggy mullet and this gold earring and this big leather jacket. And he looked really cool and he sounded really cool. Um, and of course, he was telling us these stories as warnings of why we should take school seriously and why we should be grateful for my parents' extensive supervision. Um, when I was 10, my parents bought me a Harvard sweatshirt that like really set the bar for where they expected me to go in life. Um, I had my first resume at 12, and I used it eventually to get my first job at a pizza place. Um, they were confused as to why I brought my resume to get a job at a pizza place, but I brought it anyways. Um, I got into a good high school and a good college, and when I was 19, um, I was really proud of myself, and I knew that in a year I was going to be 20, which to me meant I was going to officially be an adult. And I planned on being a serious adult, but that also meant that my cool teenage years were coming to an end. And I don't know if I had any stories that like if I told my kids 20 years from now would make them think that I was cool. I think that they would say like, oh, you were a really organized young adult. <laughs> and so I was determined to pack all adventure and coolness into my 19th year. Like one time, uh, my friends and I were at a dining hall on campus and we walk inside and there was this whiteboard that was like glowing under the fluorescent lights. Um, and someone made a comment about how we should steal it. And um, we ate and as we're walking out, it's like everyone had forgotten about that comment, but I spent the entire meal planning my exit strategy. And so I grab the whiteboard and I start running and I am sprinting as far away as I can. And I slow down to a walk and my friends catch up with me and we are laughing hysterically and I am holding this whiteboard over my head like it's the Stanley Cup. 
Um, until someone calls out from behind me, hey, you with the whiteboard, put it down. And it was someone from the dining hall that had run after us. Um, and my consequence was that I had to write an essay because those are the consequences you get when you're 19 and in college. Um, but I felt really cool, like especially when I'd go to parties and my friends would introduce me as their friend that stole that whiteboard. A couple weeks later, it was spring break and I had a really big uh, trip planned with my best friend from high school, Maud. Maud had been going to school in Scotland, and so she would call me and tell me about like her adventures, uh, getting drunk next to millennial old buildings in France, or like the cool girl she met at a hostel in Croatia, or the cute boy she met in Rome. And if I was having fun stealing whiteboards in Long Island, New York, like I could not imagine what this trip was going to be for us. Um, I arrived a couple hours before her and made my way from the airport to our hostel, and Maud insisted we stay at a hostel because that's where we would meet everybody that would take us on this wild adventure. Um, and it was kind of a cheap one because we didn't have a whole lot of money. And when I got there, it was one of those like classic rooms with all of the bunk beds lined up in a row. And I picked the one closest to the window. Uh, no one had checked in yet. Um, and I went on my way and, and I, I just wanted to walk and take in the scenery. Um, and I was sure to pack everything that I thought would be considered fashionable in Amsterdam, which was just like a big scarf and a long coat. Um, and I'm walking around, I realize I'm 19 in Europe alone for the first time. And in Europe at 19, like you're really considered an adult. And I really feel like an adult. And it's just gorgeous. The Dutch buildings are like tiered and they're long and colorful and they line the canals. And there are people that are biking and they have like flowers in their baskets. And the air smells like chocolate and french fries. And I am just so happy to be there. And when Maude arrived, um, we met up and we went and we bought some space cakes and we spent the rest of the afternoon like giggling and in a daze and planning our trip, which during the day was going to be full of museums and walking tours. Um, and then in the evening, we were going to hit every single club in Amsterdam, which I had categorized in a spreadsheet from coolest to least cool, because that's who I was at 19. Um, as we were walking back from our hostel, uh, back to our hostel that evening, um, we decided to walk through the red light district. Um, Sex work is legal in the Netherlands and the red light district is this area of concentrated brothels and they're marked by red lights. And I'm expecting it to be like old timey Europe, like people drinking espressos and like there'd be like a sexy mist. Um, <laughs> except we get there and it's a bit more like Times Square. Like there's a neon sign that says girls, girls, girls. And as we're walking through, um, the tourist rush is clearly over and it's just couple men scattered around. And at times I felt like they were looking at Maude and I more than they were looking at the women in the windows. And there was a knot that was forming in my stomach. And so I duck into a creperie and we um, shovel Nutella into our face. Like I'm trying to ignore how unsettled I feel. When we make our way to the hostel, our room is still empty, but I don't care. I just want a good night's sleep. Um, and I take the top bunk and there is a bar outside that's like playing Dutch techno that silently is humming me to sleep as I dream about our first full day. Um, but then I'm awakened by the feeling of our bunk bed shaking very, very violently. And it's a metal bunk bed, so it's clanking against the wall. And I just start screaming and Maud starts screaming and the lights get flipped on. And I see there, standing at the edge of my bunk bed, gripping the bunk I am sleeping on, is a man with a white beard and hazy eyes. And I just scream at him, like, what are you doing? And he mumbles something about, like, wanting to get to the window, except Maude and I are sleeping between him and the window. 
And the knot in my stomach pulls and just gets tighter. And I look out into the room for the first time and I realize that it is full of strangers who were not there when we fell asleep. But they seem satisfied with his answer. No one asks any questions and he shuffles back to his bunk and the lights get turned off. And I am left staring at the ceiling that I now realize has mold on it. There is still Dutch techno playing outside and there is a scream trapped in my throat and I can't talk. And so I text Maude and I just say like, hey, I really need some air. Do you want to come with me? Um, and she writes back, no, I just need a couple more hours of sleep. But I need to get out of there because I can feel the presence of the bearded man just sleeping a couple bunks away from me. And so I grab my shoes and my notebook and I run out the door and I am back at the canal that I was at just a couple hours earlier, except now those like tall, beautiful Dutch buildings are backlit by the sunrise. And so they look like these looming shadows. And the sunrise is gorgeous. It's blue and it's purple and it's reflecting in the canal. And so I take a picture and I snap it. I put it onto Instagram. Um, and I put a witty caption about Dutch techno or something because I wanted everyone back home to think I was like on this wild European adventure, like staying out all night, going to raves, walking the canals, the sun rose. But like I'm there on the bank about to burst into tears, just wanting to call my mom. But I can't call my mom because I didn't tell her we were staying at a hostel because I knew she wouldn't like the idea of it. But if I was going to be thousands of miles away, like who cares if she knew exactly where I was? So instead, I start to journal and I start writing about how I feel like a failure. I was supposed to be on this trip embracing adventure anywhere I could. But at the first sign of it, I go running away, wanting to call my mommy. But Maude, Maude was back at the hostel. She was sleeping soundly because she was actually a cool teenager who could handle things like this. And I was just pretending to be one. By the time she woke up, I had already booked us a very cheap Airbnb that was in someone's attic. And I didn't care. I just needed to get out of that hostel. And she agreed. We pack our things and we go. And our trip goes on. And during the day, we do the walking tours and we go to the museums. But at night, as the sun would set, the knot in my stomach would just get tighter. And I didn't want to go to any clubs. Um, I felt like I always had to check who was walking behind us or was unsure who would be around the next corner. And Maude, being the wonderful friend that she was, didn't mind that I just wanted to stay in. Our big night out was going to be St. Patrick's Day. I had like the best club highlighted in my spreadsheet for that day. Um, but instead, we got some cheap alcohol from the grocery store and we still bought those like light up four leaf clover necklaces that you can buy on the street. And we settled to our Airbnb and we are put on the Bratz movie. Um, and we're drinking and we're watching the Bratz movie. And um, once the movie's over, we start talking about all the boys we had crushes on in high school and Facebook stalking them to see where they were now. And then Maude puts on some music and we start dancing. And I am laughing so hard because I realized like we are really, really bad dancers and probably saved ourselves some embarrassment by not going to those clubs. And um, I take a picture and I put it on Snapchat uh, and I don't care that everybody can see that like we're getting drunk at our Airbnb on St. Patrick's Day because I am just so happy to be 19 for a little bit longer. Thank you, Eliza. Give another hand for Eliza, everybody. <laughs> we ask all our storytellers how their younger self would describe them now. So, yeah, I think younger Lisa would think that I'm cool, even though I'm an adult now. Uh, and she's probably glad that I read reviews before booking vacation stays. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Eliza, I really love your story. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I really feel like we've had different first travel experiences. <laughs> yeah. uh, and 
I had no expectations and <laughs> I was just happy to be there. And I really felt like going into it with no expectations, like really helped the experience for me because I didn't have a spreadsheet, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have things to look forward to. I kind of just went with it and it's been, it was something really nice. You know, I, I liked going to cafes and having my pinky out and crossing my legs somewhere <laughs> in, the, in the corner. <laughs> and I enjoyed it in that way. And, uh, and I also, but also it just, it just, it was something uh, for me that, you know, it, it, it traveling for me wasn't something I always see myself doing and, and uh even doing that, I know it's it's built a very good uh relationship with me. So Yeah, I mean like that's the thing as I've gotten older I realize to really limit my expectations. Um sometimes I go into things now with like no expectations, taking the Fonzo approach and it it turns out pretty well. Like, you know, I moved out about a year ago and it was to me like the biggest thing I could do at that point as an adult. Um, it was really scary. I was really nervous. I was moving 20 minutes away from my parents, but like still I was, I was really anticipating it. And so I just said, I'm going into this with no expectations. All I know is I'm going to have an apartment and a cat and whatever happens, happens. Um, and it's turned out like better than I could have imagined. When I moved, my friends all like moved about a mile away from me. And now um, we say we're in our sitcom era because we go to like the same coffee shop that does beer on tap after work, which is so obnoxiously Brooklyn. But like, it's just really nice to have that community. And I don't know if I had, I had said in my mind, like what my expectations should be or like what I would hope come out of this experience, I would be as grateful as I am now. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was it like for you? Like did moving out live up to your dreams? Oh, I was, I was ready to leave the nest. I was ready to get out, get out of there. Uh, a lot of my friends work friends and I didn't have a lot of neighborhood and school friends. So like I said, like I had friends in Queens and then those friends went to Brooklyn and then I just found myself cause I'm from the Bronx traveling really far to see them and reaching out and then I, I put these high high expectations and just so much like uh just so much energy into like when I move I'll be able to you know see all my friends all the time and see them on the weekends and have that sitcom era kind of thing but uh, I just ended up see when I did move which I now live in uh Bushwick <laughs> I just uh don't see them as much I still see them on the weekends and uh you know even though I didn't uh uh, always, it didn't meet all my expectations in the way that like I put so much into like being able to be creative and, and I didn't feel as creative at home with my mom. I didn't feel as creative. And so when I moved out, I thought I put all this stuff on that. And then like, mm. it's, it was good, but I had to find that relationship and be prepared for that in a realistic expectation kind of way. Yeah. But like change is so inevitable. Like I know that one day my friends will move and our sitcom will be over. And like, that's the thing as you get older, you learn to embrace that mm -hmm. change too. Like the first real drastic change I can remember in my life was when I went from elementary school to middle school. And I remember just sobbing, like, it's not fair that I have to like change schools and life is going to be so miserable. But, uh, I survived and life goes on. And like, that's also like another thing too, is not only is, change inevitable, but, yeah. um, expectations shift. And that's something yeah. I've really had to yeah. learn. Like my parents bought me a Harvard sweatshirt. I did not go to Harvard. Um, but they like still love me and they're so proud of me. And like more than anything now, I have to live up to my own standards, especially because my parents are just like, we want you to just be happy. And I'm like, where was this when I was 10? But like, um, you know, I'm glad that I'm happy now and you're happy. So, but um, how did your mom's like expectations of you shape you? <laughs> it's so crazy you say that because it was definitely, I feel like my mom was on the more happy side. Like, oh, do whatever. I did not get no Harvard sweatshirt. 
Uh, but uh, it was definitely a go with the flow kind of parenting. I, I feel like my mom was uh, just more like, you know, end up, be happy. And, you know, in that way, she gave me a lot of uh, room to like go into the arts. Like I took theater classes and music class, stuff like that. And like, you know, just kind of like more of like go with the flow and be happy. And it's, 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 it's really been kind of like my motto, you know, I kind of float where I go mm. and, but uh, she was an English teacher. She she made sure I was like, you know, good and she wanted me to read and stuff, but I, I, I do appreciate her for, you know, not pressuring me too much. Mm. And it's, it's, I feel like, you know, we, we both got here, you know, we, we were yeah. on this, so I feel <laughs> well, like. That's the it, thing, like we walked such different paths in life, had, had different expectations put on us, but we've. We're here right now at On Air Fest, and we made it together. Yeah, and you learn absolutely. Up next, we have David Lepelstadt with a story all about that contrast between expectations and reality. I would get so excited whenever I got the question. David, what are you going to do after college? Now, to most college seniors, this is the worst question ever. This is the one you don't want that random adult coming up to you and asking. But me, I love this question. And that's because, well, I had the best answer. I'm going to be a history teacher. That's exactly how I'd say it with my cute little shrug and my smile. Then I'd normally like to take a big deep breath and sort of prep myself for the incoming validation. That is so sweet. You know, we need teachers now more than ever. (laughs) That is so perfect for you. The third one was the one I got the most and it kind of became my favorite piece of validation because like, right? Like I do seem like I'd be a teacher. I was a summer camp counselor. I'm loud and goofy, a little bit corny. I know two really great magic tricks. I'm a history nerd and I care. I wanted to be a teacher who was going to change not just the way students learned about history, but also one who tried to change the way they thought about school itself. So when I graduated college, I joined a program that would allow me to work as an assistant teacher at a ninth grade U.S. history class and go to grad classes at night in education. So it really seemed like the perfect place for me to become the perfect teacher. The grad class we had before our first week of assistant teaching Um, The prompt that our professor gave us for our journaling that day was to write down everything we recall about our own high school experiences so we could remember what it felt like to be a high schooler. So I started doing my journaling and I started to realize I don't think my high school experience has a lot in common with the students that I'm going to be working with because I went to a performing arts high school and while most Uh, High schoolers are maybe nervous about their algebra tests. My main concern was whether I was walking through the space with an authentic purpose. (laughs) But so I just scribbled some stuff down and I really couldn't wait for that next week when I get to start teaching. Our first week of assistant teaching, our main responsibilities were just to observe, to be a sponge, as my professor put it. So I tried to take as many notes as possible, meet as many people as I could, But to be honest, I wasn't really sure what my purpose was, and neither were the students. (laughs) I was kind of just like the weird guy in the corner. One time a student snapped his pencil on his paper, so I got up and I was like, hey, can I sharpen that for you? And he was like, I'm I'm, I'm okay, thank you. 
I was like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, after our first week, the sponge week, we had a, a meeting in grad class where we did an icebreaker and went around the circle. And we were supposed to answer what animal we felt like in that first week of teaching. And after a chorus of lions, gazelles, beautiful peacocks, and flamingos, it was my turn. And I just blurted out, lemur. <laughs> because it was the most awkward animal I could think of. <sighs> when do I get to become a flamingo? But I knew when. It was when I actually got to step in front of these students and teach my first lesson. And it was coming right up. I had it all planned. We were just about to finish our unit on the American Revolution. And I was going to lead a class where I got kids thinking whether the Revolutionary War was actually revolutionary. A classic historical inquiry meant to have students rethink those dominant narratives that they've been taught about US history. And the day came. My lead teacher gave me the signal. It's my time. So I get up in front of the class and I put my inquiry question on the board just as I was taught to do in grad school. And the second I do, a hand goes up in the front row. It's working. So I call on that hand and he says, we learned about this last year. <laughs> so I start freaking out, but maybe he's just confused. So I do what I was taught in grad school and I say, can you explain more what you mean by that? And he says, in his best, I knew you thought you were about to blow my mind voice. The American Revolution wasn't a great social revolution like the French Revolution or the Haitian Revolution because it didn't destroy the old order. And I have never been more mad at someone <laughs> than I was at his eighth grade history teacher. I mean, great that he got this lesson, but it was supposed to be me teaching it to him. I finished the lesson and it was all right, but no minds were blown. I was still a lemur. Maybe teaching isn't so perfect for me, I thought. The next week, our grad school assignment was to pick a, a student from the class and interview them about their experiences as a, uh, as a student throughout their lives. So I put up a sign-up sheet. It gets very limited sign-ups. But there's one sign-up that kind of surprised me. It's from this girl named Daniela, who I always know as someone who's really quiet. So I was like, why would she want to do this interview? And I was even more surprised to see that next to her name, she wrote, please pick me. So the next day, I scheduled an interview with her uh, during the last period class that she's in. And I gave all the other students like an independent activity and we sat down and I had all my questions ready. So I started asking them and I was getting like one word, really short answers. So I was like, oh, this is going great. But then I asked Daniela one question that went, what is something that most teachers don't know about you that they should? And she scanned around the room to make sure no one was listening in and leaned in and said, most teachers don't know that there's two Daniela's. There's the one who comes to school and is super quiet. And then there's the one that goes home on the weekends who's loud and funny. High school has been so tough. Nobody here even knows who I am. And then I realized I did have something in common with my students from my experience at the performing arts school. And that was that the first weeks of high school were really tough. I remember coming home and my mom asking me, how was school? And I would lie and say it was great. And then I'd go hide from the world in my bottom bunk while my brother did his homework in the top bunk. But high school got better. It just took time for me to bring that second David who was loud and funny in through those school doors in the morning. <laughs> 
So I asked Daniela to come with me and take a walk. And we walked to the calendar that we keep in the front of the classroom. And I pointed at it and I told her, we're still in September. You've got time for that second Daniela to come out. And I didn't say this, but I was thinking, and David, you've got time for that second David to come out and teach these awesome students. The next day, I got up to lead my class and I put my inquiry question on the board. And before I started teaching, I looked over at Daniela and I pointed at that calendar again and I saw her start to smile. And then I started my lesson. Thank you. Give it up again for David, everyone. We asked David how his younger self would describe him as, and he said, not as good as guitar or basketball as he would have hoped, but a nice enough guy. Uh, we love David. And one of the things that we love doing on Grown is uh, sending David out into the world to ask people of all ages questions related to our theme. And he is going to do that with you all today. Are you ready? All right, David, take it away. Yeah, we're going to try that right now. First, I'm going to give a quick little introduction just to set the scene. So we are here today in the beautiful Wythe Hotel in a room that can only be described as the podcast penthouse. <laughs> We have floor-to-ceiling windows, beautiful view of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I'm here on, at On Airfest to ask the question we have today related to our theme. That's right, I'm coming out. So get those hands ready, start getting those wheels turning. Um, the question for today is, what is something about adulthood that really didn't live up to its expectations? All right, I can give a little example. So I think I maybe just became an adult. And one thing I was really excited about was like being seen as an adult and, and being respected as an adult. But then recently I bumped into someone on the street and they're like, watch where you're going, idiot. And I was like, this I used to be able to get away with. Um, so yeah, that, that whole being seen as an adult thing, not, not so great when you're a clumsy person like me. All right, who's got something? What moment from adulthood really hasn't lived up to its expectations? Oh, I see some hands coming up. I'm coming right over here. Hello. Hi. What moment from adulthood really has not lived up to its expectations? I was very excited that all the mail would be addressed to me. I thought it was going to be incredible. I would have all this mail to open every single day. I had no idea it was all bills. I know. It, it, I still like trick myself and I'm like, ooh, maybe someone has a letter for me. But then I'm like, it is only the Pico Energy Company. Again. Okay, great. Thank you so much. What else? Okay. I'm going to bring the mic over here. This is good about having long arms. Uh, I assumed I'd have a washing machine in my place of living, um, but it turns out that's not common, especially in New York. I know someone whose parent pays their rent and they have an in-unit washer-dryer and it's infuriating. <laughs> infuriating. Who else? Okay. I really thought I'd have more opportunities to dress up. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Too much business casual, not enough like, I'm gonna put on a cloak. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, who else, who else? A moment from adulthood that really has not lived up to your expectations. So many moments, I'm coming around. Okay, if we can pass that mic. 
Hi, uh, just going grocery shopping, like thinking like your mom's not going to say no to the cookies you wanted to buy, but then you go to the aisle and you're completely overwhelmed by the insane amount of options and prices that keep going up. So not a huge fan. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and such a time suck as well. Such a time suck. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Coming over here. I thought dating would be a lot more fun, and it turns out it's <laughs> turns out it's just a lot of getting your heart broken and breaking other people's hearts. So <laughs> I just kind of miss being a kid and not having to deal with that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I'm gonna come. Out. Dating sucks. It's horrible. All right, I'm, I'm coming around. <laughs> Lower back pain starts earlier than you think. <laughs> No one warns you that you you turn 20 and all of a sudden your skeleton is made of glass. <laughs> I'm currently in PT right now for sciatica. So big relate on that one. Yes. 22 years old, sciatica. Um, who else? Any, any more? Oh my gosh, so many. Yes. All right, come on, guys. Um, I think being sick and having no one to take care of you when you're or injuring yourself in dumb ways. Um, I like just elbow like I my funny bone in my elbow like I hit it on something and now my hands all swollen and I'm like I live alone. No one can take care of me or tell me what the difference between acetaminophen and, and ibuprofen is. Turns out one is uh, one works a lot better than the other. So yeah. That's so hard. Also. <laughs> like throwing up and not having someone to be like, it's okay, sweetie. It's been really tough for me. <laughs> Anyone else? Maybe we can get one more. Oh, I'm coming around to the couch. Let's hear from the, let's hear from the green couch. You know, I thought I would get to stay up all night, but now I just want to go to sleep at 9.30. <laughs> 10 o'clock is pushing it. You know, it's really, really hard. My REM cycle needs to begin at 9, just so I can be in that deep sleep, 9.30 p.m. Yes. Thank you so much. These were awesome Yay! answers. Thank you, David. Yes. Uh, thank you, David. Um, well, I guess that means we're getting pretty close to the end of this episode. We are, but we want to just do one more thing with you all while we have you. So at the end of every episode of Grown, we say, and remember, you're never fully grown. Like, who feels that, right? So we're going to do that with you today. Fonz and I are going to say, and remember, you'll say, we're never fully grown. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. And, and remember, remember, you're never fully grown. <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been a great audience. Amazing. We are so thankful uh, to the MOF team and everybody involved. Uh, follow us on social at Grown Pod. <laughs> subscribe, listen to wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, huge thank you to the Moth, to PRX, to all of you, to David. Um, I'm Elisa Cosme. And I'm Fonzo Lacayo. And this has been Grown. Thank, thank you. you so much. Grown is a production of The Moth. Our senior editor is Sarah Jane Johnson, and our senior producer is Mark Sollinger. That's me. With support from our artistic team, including Jody Powell, Suzanne Rust, and Sarah Austin Janess. Elisa Cosme's story was directed by Jody Powell, and David Lebelstadt's story was directed by Chloe Salmon. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our education team. 
Melissa Brown, Jonathan Cabral, Devin Elise Wilson, and Anna Stern, as well as our instructors, past and present. To learn more about the Moth's education programs for young adults and educators, visit themoth.org/edu. Mixing is by Davy Sumner with original music and sound design by Davy Sumner. Sarah D. Michelle makes original illustrations for each episode of Grown's second season. You can see them on our website, grownpod.com. Special thanks to all those who contributed their voices. The rest of the Moss leadership team includes Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Marina Cliche, Brandon Grant Walker, Leanne Gully, and Aldi Casa. All Moss stories are true, as remembered and affirmed by their storytellers. For more about Grown, go to grownpod.com. Grown is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange. Ever wonder why we want to tell complete strangers our personal secrets? Or what a CIA spy can teach you about keeping things close to the chest? Read about this and see other fascinating articles on secrets in Grown's Pocket Collection. Pocket is a website and app that finds the most thought-provoking articles from trusted sources all around the internet and puts them in one place. With Pocket, you can keep and find new articles to read, save articles for later, and even have your saved articles read aloud to you. If you want to dig deeper into this secret-worthy episode of Grown, head over to Pocket and check out our collection at getpocket.com slash grown.